This podcast is intended for adult audiences only and contains explicit language in spicy situations. And we do not replace any advice of professionals and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not reflect our own. Welcome to the Pineapple Express podcast. And I'm your host, Kylie, a.k.a. Sexy Swinger Chick. And I'm Brad, a.k.a. Brad the Space Cadet. Journey with us as we navigate in ethical non-monogamy, sex positivity, sex work, and relationship advice as millennial swingers. Explore with us as we share some of our upside-down pineapple ventures with you. All All aboard aboard the Pineapple Pineapple Express. Okay. So you're wondering how to get to a Swinger Society event to party with some of the hottest names in TikTok, OnlyFans, and social media? Well, head on over to theswingersociety.net and create a free profile, purchase exclusive memberships, and also see what other hot couples are going to the events. The Swinger Society is an inclusive event group, and they offer premium lifestyle events that you won't find anywhere else. We have a Discord with over 22,000 members, and we have a Facebook group as well. Head on over to swingersociety.net and join the fastest growing inclusive lifestyle community. I get asked all the time, how do I get into the non-monogamous lifestyle? And I've got the solution for you. It's the three fun app. It's the best dating app for couples and singles looking to explore open relationships. It's totally millennial friendly, aka it's in the 21st century, you guys. This is finally a dating app for us non-monogamous folks who are looking for a unicorn, maybe you're looking for a bull, maybe you're looking for a couple, this is my favorite app and I use it all the time. If you wanna find a link to it, just go to www.sexyswingerchick.net and you'll find my link. I hope to see you guys there. Hey, Upside Down Pineapple people. Join the millions of couples enjoying amazing sex with Promescent. I personally love their variety of products they offer And their aloe-based lube is the only lube I've ever used that doesn't throw off my pH. Brad loves their delay spray, which is clinically proven to help men last longer in bed. Their products have a 60-day money-back guarantee and free shipping on orders in the U.S. over $10. Their shipping is discreet and private, which is perfect for us in the swinger lifestyle. Make sure that you go to www.promescent.com backslash Kylie for all your discreet sexual health needs. My link is in the show notes. Promescent helps you live your best upside down pineapple life. If you're like us, you want a naughty lifestyle without risk. You want to have sex with other couples, some of whom you barely know, and walk away scotch-free. No STDs or other complications. You want to have your cake and eat it too. We want that for you too. Shameless Care offers lifestyle-specific at-home STD testing and prescription ED medications, and we should be your lifestyle medical provider. Use coupon code CHIC, that's C-A- Hey friends, welcome to the Pineapple Express podcast, and of course I'm your host, Kylie Sexy Swinger Chick, and today we're going to be talking about jealousy. It's one of the most common topics that people want to talk about, and I already did an episode on jealousy. If you haven't heard it, it's a really good episode, but this one is even better, you guys. This episode is with Bridget, and she is aka Professor Playtime. She and I dive into the amazing ways to cope with jealousy in the swinger lifestyle because you guys 
swinging and jealousy is just they go hand in hand you know it's not a you know oh am I going to experience jealousy no it's when you're going to experience jealousy in the swinger lifestyle and it's totally normal and we all go through it and you know it can be not fun and it can also be great to build you know intimacy with your partner when dealing with it so I hope you guys really enjoy this episode it's really uh helpful I think I mean I even learned a lot from it so I just wanted to thank Bridget for coming on here. She's been a mentor for me and helping me out. I'm currently in the midst of getting my personal relationship coaching and intimacy license. I just uh, kind of, I'm I'm starting to put my, my feelers out there in terms of like workshops and webinars and helping people. And it's just kind of been building, but of course, that takes time and energy, but, uh, conscious connections is the name of my new business. And the plan is to become a relationship coach. Unfortunately, I, you know, becoming a relationship coach costs money because you have to go through school. And so I do have a GoFundMe for that. If you do want to donate for that, any small part helps and that can help me, uh, get through school quicker and get my license quicker because I am fighting like hell to get out of sex work. Unfortunately, it's not a good time for sex work. And, uh, you know, it's just emotionally draining on me ever since I've been sober. And I really haven't talked about this like out in the open, but yeah, it's just with me being so I see everything and I feel everything and it's a lot. It's very draining on me. Uh, So I've decided to really move forward and really get my business uh, going. So if you guys can help and support me with that, that would be awesome. The GoFundMe is going to be in the show notes and I've got everything else in the show notes for you. I've got all of Bridget's information in the show notes. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and thanks so much for listening. Uh, By the way, Brad and I are going to be at Club Eros in Cleveland tomorrow, Saturday, October 28th. And after that, we're not really sure what's going on for 2024. So stay tuned and thank you guys so much. Hello, my Upside Down Pineapple friends. I have a very special guest today. I have Bridget Professor Playtime, and I'm going to let her explain who she is. And today we're going to talk about jealousy which is everyone's favorite topic in non-monogamy so welcome Bridget thank you so much hi thanks so much for having me um yeah so uh, I guess I'll do a really quick condensed version of who I am and why I would even be somebody you would want to listen to about jealousy so I run a organization called for love um which is really primarily dedicated to integrating things like trauma information and privileged awareness and conversations around equitability into sex positive spaces. And so my role, um, aside from being executive director and sort of running the the mission and the business, um, is I have my own coaching programs that I develop either one-on-one or for couples or for the community, um, specifically for the LGBTQIA and non-monogamous communities, because that is who I am and that is who I serve. And over the last five years, growing for love, growing the community, organizing spaces, everything from, you know, 17 people that all knew each other really well to 150 plus person parties where there was a lot of strangers. I learned a lot And I've developed a lot just with my own programs and with the people that I help one-on-one and in my own personal journey with non-monogamy that jealousy is 
I would say one of the most common fears and one of the most common hurdles that people at all stages of the journey through non-monogamy and in all different forms seems to come up time and time and time again. And so, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and why I'm here. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. I think that this this episode is going to help a lot of people. So I already did an episode myself on jealousy and it was really, really helpful. I did a lot of research, but I think that we need to dive more into this because like I said, you know, I do a lot of like social media stuff and the number one question that I get from people is besides the, how do I convince my wife to get into swinging, which is like a total another topic, right? But (laughs) the main thing that people ask me is, how do you and your partner deal with jealousy? So, you know, my first question would be like, how do you feel that like jealousy and insecurity can manifest in swinger or um, non-monogamous relationships? So, just a disclaimer, I'm doing this new thing and I'm not saying ethical non-monogamy anymore because I heard this TED talk and this woman was talking about how like if you call it consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy, that like that means that it's not ethical to be non-monogamous in the first place. So we should call it non-monogamy. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that. So I just wanted to throw that out there for everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And I think the language that we use is really important. This is something that I talk about a lot, especially when we're talking about like equitability and just how we integrate these things into sex positive spaces and the language that we use matters, especially when the language carries stigma. And so much of what we're trying to do is normalize this as a lifestyle. And the more that we can recognize how we differentiate um, unfairly, right. You don't hear people saying ethical monogamy, right. Right. And so I think it it makes a lot of sense. And I personally have, have also been working in these last probably six months or so to remove ethical from my own language. So maybe we could try to hold each other accountable here. Um, cause I'm on a similar journey. Um, and sorry, can you repeat the question one more time? So how do you feel like jealousy or insecurity can manifest itself in a non-monogamous or, you know, like this podcast is primarily swingers, um, like a swinging relationship or a non-monogamous relationship? So I think that, um, when it comes to jealousy, uh, the feeling, um, is the same in monogamy and non-monogamy and similarly, the ways that it can manifest can be quite similar as well. Now, where the difference is, I think in, in when we're comparing the way it manifests in monogamy versus non-monogamy is that we are playing with that fire a little bit more because we are knowingly challenging some of the things, be that either physical intimacy or emotional intimacy that would typically be held specifically just for our partner in a monogamous structure, that is where often in a monogamous world, the jealousy lives, right? Is when that that is in some way, shape or form perceived to be threatened or that emotional or physical physicality is being, you know, offered outside of the, the dynamic of the relationship. In non-monogamy, I find that those similar trigger points exist 
even though we have pre-negotiated dynamics, at least in the beginning, not for everyone. Some people truly don't have that, like those, those jealousy triggers, but I find that most people do. And in non-monogamy, it's often going to be in the form of just like in monogamy, either our time, like that the emotional capacity or availability of our partner, we perceive that to be threatened, or sometimes it is just the physical nature, um, that it, it actually is challenging for us to overcome our own personal, you know, conditioning that we've lived with for so long that even when we have, you know, consent, negotiated terms that allow us to explore this, we still may have those points of contention, those points of trigger that show up for us when our partners are engaging with somebody either emotionally or physically or sexually, right? Without us or outside Mm -hmm. of us. Absolutely. And going back to like, you use the word trigger. And I feel like that's the, I think that it's a lot of triggers, right? And like, especially in a swinging or non-monogamous situation. And I've dealt with this. I have lots of friends who have dealt with this. Uh, Like I tell this story about my really good friend. So she loves her husband so much. She loves watching him at the club. That compersion is like a huge deal for her, right? She just loves watching him. So they decided that they were going to open up a little bit and she was going to let him be a hot, not let him, that's the wrong word, but like they communicated about it and talked about him being a hot husband. So he set up this date with this woman and the whole time he's getting ready, my friend who, by the way, like I've been in play scenarios with her and she is like cheering her husband on. She just loves it. She loves when he's with another girl. She is, you know, at home and he's getting ready and she's so anxious and she's like feeling triggered And then he leaves and she's like bawling her eyes out. She's like, I cannot do this. I'm so triggered. She's like, please come home. I, I just don't know if I can do this. So like, where, what do you think are like, and that's just like an anecdote for those, but like, what do you think are the biggest triggers in swinging scenarios or like non-monogamous scenarios where people are feeling jealousy and they're feeling that insecurity? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I don't think it's going to be a specific scenario that I can call out that might, because it, 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 in my experience, both personally and also like witnessing others is it could be a myriad of experiences or situations that we're in. But what I do find to be consistent is that whatever is living underneath that trigger is often something that we are needing or not like it's either a need that's not being met, a boundary or a value that's being rubbed up against. And so the meat of of the meat of it lives there. Like, where is that trigger coming from? And it may manifest kind of going back to the first question, it may manifest in the relationship as, as me feeling as if I'm uncomfortable with this act, even though this act has happened a hundred times before, and I've enjoyed it in this moment, I am needing or lacking something. There's some form of lack of safety or instability, either in the relationship or outside of the relationship, just in my personal life that in this moment is manifesting in the form of jealousy. And that is really like 
it's not so much about controlling the scenarios to never get triggered. It's about one understanding what to do and how to communicate through the trigger when it does happen, because it can. And it's about doing the work to figure out what it is that we might be needing in that moment, that baby manifesting in the form of jealousy, um, with our partners. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think that jealousy is a secondary emotion, especially in the form of non-monogamy to insecurity and like insecurities come from different places. Like for me, it comes from like that childhood trauma trigger, I suppose, of like not being good enough or not feeling good enough. And that comes from whether it's your parents, your grandparents, the kids at school that made fun of you, if you were bullied, like those are normal emotions that we feel and, and not, or if, if I'm lacking something from my partner, right. Or if I'm just not feeling sexy mm-hmm. that day, you know, if, if I'm like, yeah. just not feeling good in my skin in that moment, it's going to be easier for me to be triggered in a club scenario, right. If my um, husband is really taken, you know, an eye to a girl who I feel like looks better than me because I'm not feeling good about myself and that has nothing to do with him or that other person. And that's, I, fe- I feel like the biggest thing that we need to recognize is like your jealousy and your insecurities don't have anything to do with your partner and they can help you with the work on that, you know, be a support system, but like you ultimately you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think you, it's, it's really holding both of those things where it's totally okay for us to lean on our partners to heal, right. And to move towards a secure relationship at any point and the meat of it, the real work. And really the only, the only person who can do that for us is ourselves and, and figuring out, like you had said, right. Like if it, it isn't actually about the act of your partner being with somebody else. It's the fact that you are not feeling good enough right now. You are not feeling seen in those ways. There's a need there. And if we can get to a place where we can articulate that to our partners, that's actually where we're able to get that support and healing versus what can sometimes happen is even when we get to a place of expressing jealousy comfortably, then the the partner feels as if they need to maybe not go through with. And sometimes there's appropriate times where that is the, you know, what is best for the relationship in that moment. But what we want to be careful of there is like the codependent nature to like caretake and people please in the, and also self-abandon in that process. And jealousy can be a really big catalyst for those moments of codependency, because if he really, or she, they really want to go and express in this way. And we're having a really big feeling Yes, it's true that it's okay for us to lean on our partner, but it's also more true that it's not okay for us to ask our partners to self-abandon and the people please because we are having a feeling. It's actually, you know, and that's where like self-reliance forms is knowing that we can feel these feelings and this this is okay. This the str- the safety is still there, but I can take care of me. I got me. I can I can do hard things. I can feel jealousy. I can feel discomfort and, and know that I'm okay. And that takes time and neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. and practice and a lot of really uncomfortable conversations and uncomfortable scenarios that you have to put yourself through 
But I think in the long run, it's going to build confidence and build self-esteem. Um, and going back to, you used a word codependency. So I know what that word means, um, but maybe my listeners might not have maybe the background knowledge in that. Can you just kind of explain really quickly what that word means and kind of just a recap of like how it can, I guess, manifest in non-monogamous relationships? Totally. Yeah. So I like to say, honestly, many of us are taught like what, what we are taught love is, is actually like codependency. It's this idea that, um, we're supposed to totally self-sacrifice in order to show this other, our partner that we love them, that we are, are no longer two whole beings. We are supposed to just meld into one and, you know, in whatever means possible, including self-abandonment. And so what can often happen in this form of like very interdependent love is, you know, we see insecure attachment styles forming because it's just not a very, it doesn't allow for the ebbs and flows and the fluid nature of love and life and just human nature. And so what can happen is we end up like, we don't really, understand where like I end and you begin in partnership and it's where things like resentment can form and anxious attachment styles or insecure attachment styles form and you know a lot of us in in my world of trying to like support people in authentic relating is um moving more towards a framework of radical self-reliance and really cultivating that self-trust first understanding what those big feelings mean and then developing strategies for meeting those needs ourselves before we go and try and get those needs met by another because codependency is a little bit sneaky um, and it often starts in little forms things that are seemingly you know oh let's just like stay up late tonight and talk even though I'm going to be tired tomorrow but like this is the only time that you're available so let's do that right you wouldn't even consider that a major red flag but it is absolutely a precursor to like those codependent behaviors right absolutely and I think the biggest takeaway from that is like that's ingrained in our culture and our society to and I mean that's kind of where, toxic monogamy even comes from is like the whole thought process of like your partner is the only person who there's one person in this whole wide world of billions of people who can make you whole and make you happy and that's you know then you're gonna have that white picket fence and the kids and the dog and just this perfect life with that one person and mm-hmm you know, you, you have to rely on that person for your, your sexual pleasure and your emotional, you know, and your intimacy and all of that. And it's, it just, it's kind of like a toxic mindset and it does kind of start to develop those toxic relationship dynamics of like, you can't be friends with other girls and you can't look at other girls on Instagram and you can't be on TikTok and like you aren't allowed to do this and that. And it it really is almost like a control mechanism for couples. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, definitely. I think that's something to point out is like, once you get out of that mindset and you're like, okay, I want to take away the control. And like, I want my partner, you know, me and my partner got into swinging because 
I wanted him to feel free. Mm-hmm. It was a freedom thing. And, mm-hmm. and also say the same for me. I wanted to feel free. I'm like this butterfly that wanted to just fly away and spread my wings, you know? And so that was a big thing for us was breaking free of those societal, I guess, norms. Um, so thing to do, right. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of giving it a positive spin, right? Like how can jealousy be beneficial in a non-monogamous relationship? And I love this question. It's my favorite. Me too. So um, I'll give the kind of like <laughs> um, very like relationship coach answer. And then I'll give a personal anecdote because I think they're both valid and also quite different. So um, one, jealousy and any other emotion, any other emotion that it, your body is serving up to you at any given time is information. It's information for you to check in and uh, and understand something about the environment, the person that you're with, the things you're saying yes or no to, whatever it might be. And so I, I, I do think that the more that we can actually use this as like a lever of, oh, something is going on for me, right? What do I need right now? What like, and, and how do I get that need met? There's that's invaluable information. And one of the things that non-monogamy allows um, or creates more permission for than I think the monogamous structure does is that we don't have to hide and shame jealousy. We almost assume jealousy to be a potential part of this experience. And so that because of that, then we're sitting with it and we're understanding it and we are figuring out what that information is. And so that is invaluable. Now, on the other side of this, um, because many of us were conditioned with monogamy and to your point earlier, many of us were conditioned with toxic monogamy, this like, especially if you're in a cis hetero dynamic, right. Where it's like, one is very possessive and one is kind of like, you know, flirtatious and like, and, and so that, that jealousy, can and has for I'll just speak for myself personally manifested in the form of a kink where I can still elicit an erotic reaction um which is kind of where a lot of kink lives in general right it's almost like taking some of the more problematic aspects of society but like and gain, regaining control and making it pleasurable and sexy and so Jealousy for me is something I've integrated into my kink experience where it can actually be quite playful, where I pre-negotiate boundaries of like, okay, these are the boundaries. You can't see my air quotes for listeners, but like, these are the boundaries that I'm like actually totally allowed to play with a little bit because it's going to brush up on some edges for them. And like, I want the whole thing, right? I want them to come up and I want them to like pull me away from the conversation be like, get over here. Why are you doing that? Why are you being a slut? And like, I want the whole feeling but I want, I want to be in in control of it. I want to be able to set those boundaries. And so jealousy just in the form of like the, the feeling can be integrated into your play as well. And it can be really, really fun because most of us have been conditioned with that exact dynamic in some way. Well, when I was kind of self reflecting upon because like so I'm a kink or kink I'm a cuck queen so that's something that me and my partner um really enjoy and when I was kind of trying to to understand that dynamic within myself I'm like 
why am I like this? Because I'm that type of person, you know, where, <laughs> where I just I have to figure out why I'm like this. Totally. You know, and I really thought about it and I thought about past relationships and past traumas in relationship. And like the biggest relationship trauma for me has always been being cheated on um, Mm -hmm. in the past. And especially in young relationships where like my first boyfriend or my first real love, um, the, the person I lost my virginity to like all cheated on me with other girls. So then I'm like, well, you know what they say about kink is like it's healing from trauma. And and the way that I, I guess, actualized all of this was like, oh, maybe this is healing for me because I'm in control of this situation. And mm-hmm. I feel like now that I I wasn't in control in the past, but now that I am in control of it, this is like hot. And this is this feels good and this feels right because now I'm taking back that power that I lost. Yes, 100%. And that's, I mean, that is whenever I try to describe, like when people are like, I'm not kinky, I'm like, I totally understand why you may not identify with the mainstream representation of what it means to be kinky, which often is some sort of sadomasochistic BDSM dynamic, almost always, right? Maybe some rope. But, but when you really break down kink as it is, it is the, the space where, somatic right sensation meets pleasure Mm -hmm. and that intersection is endless there is an endless number of combinations based on each person's body their past experience their current interests and desires that can make up a kink experience and especially if we're starting to go down the realm which we are in which we don't have time for on this one but like the realm of like kink as a form of healing for trauma yeah of course like play with some of the more problematic things and and what i would even suggest is if 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 you're somebody who is go, who is like exploring non-monogamy and is in that question of like how do i navigate jealousy like i'm such a jealous person I would totally recommend exploring what it might look like just hypothetically, if you were to create the dynamic that you fear the most, right. In, in terms of like something jealous, jealousy playing out and how could you do it? How could you retell that story or reset that stage or scene with you being the one in power, you Mm -hmm. making the choices and just see what comes up out of that, because there's potentially a lot of room for healing that jealousy wound from a place of, like we had just said, empowerment. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that's the biggest thing that I love about swinging and about the non-monogamous dynamic is that, because I always considered myself somebody who was a very jealous person. I mean, I can remember being like in my early twenties and I caught my ex watching porn and I like smashed his computer. Like I was so jealous and to see where I've come from that place of like unhealed, like, but becoming non-monogamous and making that choice to grow with my partner in these hard conversations and in these hard moments of insecurity and jealousy, uh, those were, the most pivotal moments for me to heal as a human. And I, and I always tell people this in all my podcasts that I do like this, 
non-monogamy is not for everybody, right? Because you do have to deal with some hard shit. And this is some hard shit. You, this is yeah. tough. This is not easy healing past traumas and stuff like that's going to come up and you're not even going to expect it. And you're going to be like, what, mm -hmm. why am I so upset? Why am I crying? Why am I, you know? And so I think that that's really important to note that like, if you're not at a place emotionally to be in a, in a place where you're ready to heal, it might not be a good dynamic right now, but it can be at some point and you can work with people like Bridget who can help you work through those moments of like, okay, I I'm kind of ready, but I'm not really there yet. Can you, and, and I always tell couples, you know, when they come to me, like find a relationship coach, find somebody who's trauma informed, who can really help you work through those past emotions to get to that compersion, which is what we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. The compersion is finding joy in your partner and seeing your partner be in a moment of joy um, with someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my favorite parts about ethical non-monogamy is the compersion aspect. And honestly, I think my favorite part is what you just described. And this is the thing that I really want to drive home for people because I was not somebody, I think sometimes it's easy to look at where I am now and in terms of conversations or when I'm teaching people how to, how to navigate these conversations and it's easy to uh, dismiss like where I came from, which is none of these skills. I was not modeled how to have these difficult conversations. It was, you know, my family was definitely the like brush it under the rug, pretend like nothing happened until it blows up. And then you like, you know, avoid each other for a couple of days after. Like I had zero modeling of how these difficult conversations would, could, could actually be closening and healing and feel very safe. And so what I want to just drive home for people, if you're someone who feels a little bit uncomfortable in navigating just like the conflicts that that may arise around this like on the other side of that is the first time that you I used to jokingly like it's almost like I would be like dropping this little like you know grenade and then I would like duck you know like this is my insecurity and then I would like wait for it to blow up in my face and when the person on the other end for the first time not only didn't have some like reaction or shaming or whatever to my insecurity um they were like oh my god you know like kind of like that's so sweet. Thank you so much for this gift. And kind of like held it in their pocket was, was, you know, life altering for me. And what I didn't realize was that I needed to repattern. Like I had learned anytime there was a point of conflict, it was confrontation and it was usually going to be really big, explosive and bad. And I needed these little micro examples of like showing my insecurities or showing where I had fucked up on something or, you know, asking for help and support from a partner and having them meet me there with love and understanding and acceptance. And like, yeah, that's totally valid. I needed a handful of those experiences to get to the point where I am now, which is like, I promise you these conversations can not only go from being uncomfortable and explosive and, and really slightly traumatic to being really healing. Like mm -hmm. I have never felt more seen than when I shared a part of myself that I had been conditioned to believe was unacceptable to the person that I'm the most afraid to lose and to have them love me, not in spite of it, but because of it, 
Mm-hmm. Like that is truly transformational. And that is why I do the work that I do today is because everyone deserves to feel that way. Like everyone truly deserves to feel empowered in their desires and in their insecurities within their partnership to express that. And, and as partners of people who are also healing to hold that for them mm-hmm. and to be grateful for them sharing those insecurities and working with us to to move past it, you know, and jealousy is definitely one that will rear its head for some of us forever. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I mean, in a lot of I, every couple that I know, their dynamic is is different when it comes to jealousy. I know couples who they don't feel us a lick of jealousy. Like they just mm-hmm. don't even there, you know, people ask them like, how do you deal with jealousy? And they're like, we don't honestly mm-hmm. know because we just like don't deal with it and it's just never been something that we deal with and then I have friends who like really get jealous very easily and like they're the ones who kind of have to go and have the conversation in the corner of the the swinger club where everybody's having the orgy and like they have to sit down with each other first and like have those really important conversations and both of those relationship structures in non-monogamy are totally valid. Like mm-hmm. it's okay that there's those people who don't, it doesn't mean that they love each other any less because they don't feel jealousy. Mm. And then it doesn't mean that like the couple who is in the corner, who every single time there's an orgy has to like discuss everything and go through their agreements and boundaries over and over. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them either. It it doesn't mean that they're less emotionally intelligent. It just means that all of the, you know, there's all different spectrums of jealousy. And I feel like in non-monogamy, those don't all, sometimes they go away and sometimes they get easier, especially if we heal through them. I know mm-hmm. with me and my partner, that's been are, you know, our kind of scenario, but also me and him aren't really jealous people to begin. With. I mean, I'm really not a jealous person in any aspect. Um, the one thing I did want to mention and kind of get your opinion on, cause I, I hit on this a lot in my, um, my own podcast that I did about this, but what about couple to couple jealousy? And I'll kind of explain what that means. So like, Let's say that me and my partner, Brad, we just really love this one couple, right? And they're just like our favorite couple and we love spending time with them and we love having, you know, relations with them. And then they meet another couple and they really also like that other couple. And me and Brad start to feel like jealous. How do couples deal with that? And this is like in this swinging spectrum and not really going into polyamory because that's a whole different facet. But like, how do we deal with that? I mean, it's it's I think it's just like anything else. You're competing with NRE. Right. And that I think we we actually talked about this in I think the peer group that you were in where. I think first and foremost, just recognizing that NRE is a thing, that it's a drug, that when we meet somebody new or if we meet a new couple and like it's exciting and it's new and and that sort of straight shot of dopamine and oxytocin funnels through the body and it also 
regulates again. And so if we're in a dynamic where we feel one, if we perceive um, them pulling away because something else has caught the attention of one of the first things that I typically recommend is a communicating that with the people, with the couple, regardless of what your dynamic is, you're having a feeling something is being triggered, right? You feel them moving away and you would like to readdress that. I think there's always validity in having that conversation, regardless of what the, you know, negotiated uh, commitment or dynamics are. And then the other pieces, and this is something that I don't tell anybody who is navigating non-monogamy in any form is like, sometimes it's just a matter of pause, like pause and wait, because there's this constant ebb and flow. And as new people come in, that becomes a little bit different. And as other people maybe move out, then there's a whole new dynamic of healing and transition. And part of navigating non-monogamy is accepting that fluidity and understanding that sometimes it is just a right now thing. And the more that we can create spaciousness for like, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is what I'm needing right now. And trying to like allow the space for like, even just using NRE as a singular example, because the NRE can often trigger jealousy in the in the like more established dynamic, right? Because of course, it's like all of a sudden there's this new thing. And now the, the person or persons are spending less time with us there. We, you know, we have limited time to share as is. And now that time is being shared with some, another partner, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it can trigger jealousy and attachment wounds um, and just allowing for the ebb and flow of that, but to move through their dynamic to right. see what settles out and what is actually probably going to be a more long-term dynamic to set boundaries around, just like anything else. Anytime a new dynamic is introduced to any partnership is an opportunity to renegotiate. And I think with that, especially in the swinging dynamic, right? Because the the thing about swingers is I think that we're, and I, I've spoken about this in the peer support group, is like we're really moving toward this progressive swinging dynamic. You have a lot of millennials coming in, early 30s, late 20s, who are coming in who are like, I don't want to be polyamorous because it's a lot and I have young kids and we're, but like, I also don't want to take away the feelings from things. Right. And like, I want to sit in those feelings and realize that just because I don't have a re, you know, relationship with these other couples or these other people in these couples, I still have feelings for them. And you know, I, I think in the past with swinging, people were just like, it's all physical. It's just mm -hmm. sex. It's just another notch in your bedpost. And now we're moving toward this dynamic of soul connections and true like feelings and feelings of love and feelings of security, getting security from other people. But it's not quite in the polyamorous dynamic, right? Because there's still that hierarchical relationship and you, you have your total, you know, you're married to someone and that's like your end game. Right. But you still have those soul connections with other people. So like, I want listeners to know that like those feelings, just because you're feeling jealous of another couple or somebody in another couple, that doesn't necessarily like, that's not like a bad thing. It doesn't mean that like we should run away from those feelings. And like, it doesn't mean if you go to that couple and talk about it and say, Hey, I'm having these feelings, you know, they might reject you and they might be like, oh, wow, that's feeling too poly for me. I think I have to 
move away from. And that's okay. Like everybody's allowed to have their own boundaries when it comes to their feelings. Um, Mm -hmm. And what they are uh, available for. Right. And I think the more that we can move towards this idea that it's always okay to respectfully ask, and it's also okay to gracefully receive a no. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. but, but it, you not expressing how you're feeling because it may be too much for what this couple has capacity for. That also doesn't make sense. Right. It's like, you still are have to get to a place where you're able to name and communicate the feeling and then allow them to decide based on what's real for you, how they want to continue to engage. Right. It's yeah. Like, that's just where if, and, and I, I know that I'm simplifying this because there's also like attachment involved in that and our hearts are involved. And of course we, as human beings will do anything to try and like maintain closeness with somebody that we want to, like we will do mental gymnastics <laughs> to, to maintain closeness with somebody. So I, I honor that. And I don't want to like, I don't mean to dismiss it, but I, but at the core, if we all is like a society and certainly what we have power to do is within our, our micro communities, right. Mm-hmm. Is like, let's all get to a place where it's okay for you to, to express how you're actually feeling. And based on that information, it's okay for me to set boundaries or express what I have capacity for to engage in with you. And neither of those things makes either of us wrong or bad. Right. <laughs> you know, and having those, like, that is one of the the biggest things that I feel people in the swinger community and in the pot, like, there's, I always say there's like a little bit of like a discourse there. Right. And we've even seen it in some of our peer support groups where it's like, we just kind of feel that difference. And, um, I think where that comes from is fear and insecurity. Like, oh my God, this person has feelings for me. And I thought this was just sex or, oh my God, they don't have feelings for me. I thought that this was more than just sex. So like, Mm -hmm. that's where the, I I consider it like that swally or like progressive swinging where that comes into the mix is just like sitting with yourself and being okay. And like, I remember when my partner first developed feelings for, it was a unicorn that we had met and um, she wasn't lifestyle, but she was, she was awesome and great and an amazing unicorn. And He was like, I have like a, like a schoolboy crush on her. Like she gives me butterflies and I've never felt this feeling for another girl other than you or other than like past relationships. And I felt good in those feelings when he told me that because I felt closer to him and I'm like, oh, wow, my partner has the capacity to feel feelings other than just sexual feelings. And that made me feel good. So I think you know, bringing it to your partner and bringing it to your other partners is really important because sometimes those feelings can, can feel good. You never know how you're going to feel, you know? Um, and regard, and even if it doesn't feel, even if it temporarily doesn't feel good when so much of the work that I do is like helping people align, like move in integrity, which is aligning our actions with our like thoughts, our true authentic thoughts and feelings. Right. And so if we are, 
there, there's, you know, a lens that we can look at, which is if we're doing anything other than expressing our authentic feelings in a relationship, we are kind of manipulating the people that are in a relationship with us. And when we talk about non-monogamous dynamics and we talk about jealousy as the like, you know, kind of like the, the a catalyst for it all, we can become super manipulative because again, we default to conditioning and often conditioning you know, is in, doesn't set us up for success in non-monogamous spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, I think my last question, and this is like the, the big one here, are there any common misconceptions or like myths about jealousy and insecurity uh, that you think that you could address? Um, I think the most common one is that there is some one, a right way to have jealousy. Like jealousy is morally neutral. It's morally Mm -hmm. neutral. It's not good, bad. It's not healthy, unhealthy. It just is a feeling just like anything else. And there's this idea that if you experience any form of jealousy, um, that you are like not non-monogamous, right? right. So I'll, I'll just, I typically, I have a lot of like polyamorous people in my community. And so one of the big ones is like, I will have people that at some point in their relationship, they experience jealousy, especially those that weren't very jealous. And then all of a sudden experienced it. It's like a foreign feeling the first question they question their non-monogamy the first thing is like well maybe i'm not maybe i'm not polyamorous maybe i'm maybe i'm just not and it's like no we two things can exist two contrasting ideas can exist simultaneously in our bodies right we can feel and experience jealousy and still be non-monogamous this idea that you reach this like point like there's this goal that you work towards and then once you hit that point you never experience jealousy ever again and you know you have no no insecurities in your relationship i think is one completely idealistic two completely false and it sets an unrealistic goal that segments a whole area of the population that may be more inclined to be monogamish right or mm-hmm. may, like there's this whole it cuts off people because most of us even those of us who are lifestyle, even those of us who have been navigating this world for a very long time, still understand that at any moment we could experience and have to navigate jealousy. It doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling, nor do we want it to go away. It's information. It's well, cause we're, we're told the green eyed monster is kind of <laughs> our perception of what jealousy is. Like that's our, I guess, uh, that that's how we word it right in society. So like we're told that feelings of jealousy and feelings of insecurity are like, you can't feel those like that's the, those are bad because you have that connotation of green eyed monster. And I think that that's like the biggest takeaway is like, you can feel those feelings and it doesn't mean that you're bad at being non-monogamous. Like, so the story from the beginning, I was telling you about my friend when she was telling me this story, she was like, Kylie, I just felt like I was, I'm like, am, could I, am I a swinger anymore? Because I'm this, I'm feeling these, this jealousy and I'm crying and I'm just like, I don't know how to handle it. Does that mean I'm not a good swinger? And I'm like, girlfriend, mm-hmm. no, you're, you're still a great swinger. And, and you, you know, you, you're great because you recognize that and you communicated your feelings with your partner right away instead of letting it manifest into resentments. And, but that was like the first thing she said, she was like, am I not a good swinger? (laughs) 
but that's so common. And that I think is this is it's all like, it's another edge of the same sword, which is like that people perceive that if they have ever experienced jealousy at any point in their life or their relationships, that they couldn't possibly be non-monogamous. And it's, it's it, like I said, it's incorrect and worse. I think it really puts a lot of people into relationship structures that don't fit for them. And like you had said earlier, I don't believe non-monogamy is for everybody, but for those who are at that point where they're trying to contort themselves into a monogamous structure or worse have said the statement, like, I guess I'm just better single. Like, I guess I'm just better not in relationship. I guess, you know, like if we're not social beings that literally need it, need this connection. Um, no, it's, it's often that like, those are the people that I want. I want more people to be able to look at different representations of the whole spectrum of non-monogamy and see themselves in it because far too many people that I see in my work and I was one are sitting there in either like feeling isolated and somehow unlovable or contorting themselves in monogamous structures that actually don't feel right for them, which is not right for them or their partners. So yeah, jealousy is just, just one of the many, many really big feelings you're probably going to have to sit with at least once if you're exploring non-monogamy. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has been, I th- hopefully everybody listening kind of took something from that. I know that, like I said, a lot of people really are working through their own jealousies and their own, you know, differences within non-monogamy. So we definitely talked about the peer support group and I just wanted to throw out the peer support group because I know it's been very helpful for me and I love, I've met a lot of amazing people, including you, including some other people who I've connected with. Um, Can you just tell us about the peer support group that you run? It's totally free. It's through open, but can you tell us about it and explain a little bit more about that? And then also tell us where you, we can find you. Yes. So, um, every second and third Tuesday of the month, I am partnering with an organization called open. It's open. Oh my gosh. Open.love-org. I might've messed that up, but hopefully you'll tag that. (laughs) And if you guys remember, I had Brett, the, um, co-founder and executive director. He was on the podcast a couple of months ago. He's a good friend of mine. We work very closely together. So um, just for reference of who Open is, that was Brett. Yes. Um, so a, a we decided to partner together to do monthly peer support groups. So we have one, the second Tuesday of the month. And that is just kind of what we'll call like all levels. Um, so people from all over the world are just coming together for an hour and a half to just kind of share different experiences, gain some, well, I guess, peer support, ask questions, um, of the non-monogamous community. And then the second, I'm sorry, the third Tuesday of the month is sort of a 101. So we really wanted to segment those who are just newer in their non-monogamous journey. Um, it's a little easier for people to ask questions that way. So that's going to be for people who are either just curious or newly exploring um, non-monogamy. And I will link those in the show notes, guys, because like I said, they're very helpful. And also, if you are a swinger and uh, you you feel like this is something that you want to be a part of, it's really cool to get kind of because there's a lot of different 
types of people in different facets of non-monogamy. There's relationship anarchists we've seen in those groups, polyamorous Mm -hmm. people. There are people who are in open relationships and then, of course, swingers. So it's really cool to get a kind of seeing it through a lens of like everybody Mm -hmm. and you can really think about different dynamics. I think that's one of the big things about non-monogamy, and I've discussed this a lot, is when you're in one facet under the umbrella term of non-monogamy, like you're, you're, you don't really understand the other ones. And, and (laughs) sometimes we don't even open ourselves up to understanding them. We're like, we're swingers and that's what we do, or we're polyamorous and that's what we do. And I think it's really cool to just get, um, see from everybody's point of view, what non-monogamy means to them. And, And I just, I love that about the peer support groups. And then if somebody wanted to get relationship coaching through you or join, I know that you do like webinars and different like uh, classes and discussions and stuff. How can they find you? Yeah. So mo- almost all of our educational stuff, both free and paid are going to be on forlove.love. And you'll also be able to navigate to my personal coaching. But if for anybody who wants to just get straight to scheduling a free intimacy call, it's forlove.love forward slash professor playtime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful that you came on and I'm sure we'll see you again. I'm sure something will come up and uh, we would love to have you again, but this has been, this has been awesome. So thank you very much, Bridget. We really appreciate you. Thank you.